Welcome to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals and professional wine nerds. In this episode, I talk to Julien Dumerc. He's the executive manager of IVES. IVES is the short version of International Viticulture and Enology Society. It's a combination of, at the moment, I think 25 research institutes from all over the world who publish their research findings together through several channels. And they decided to partner with me to create a monthly science communication podcast for winemakers. Please enjoy. Welcome to the art of selling wine. In this podcast, we explore the foundation of business success in the wine industry. And we also take a look at global game changers, such as changing climatic conditions, changing customer behavior and demands, emerging and fading distribution channels, and many topics alike that affect winemakers everywhere. My goal is to collect regional answers and strategies and spread the ideas worldwide. My name is Diego. I'm a wine marketing consultant specialized in the strategic brand positioning of small and medium-sized family wineries. I have a background as trained winemaker in Rheingau area, Germany, and a degree in international wine business. This podcast is my contribution to the wine sector that I love so much. Enjoy it in the vineyards or in the cellar, or while traveling as winemaker or sommelier. And don't hesitate to contact me. You are listening to The Art of Selling Wine, the podcast for wine professionals. This episode is presented to you by WinePlus. WinePlus is a German-based platform for wine professionals from all around the world. It is written W-E-I-N dot plus, W-E-I-N dot plus. And all the episodes of The Art of Selling Wine and my German podcast, Wine Verkauft, are available in early access for the WinePlus members. It's a free membership, so you don't have to pay. And you get two weeks early access to any episode. The Bordeaux series is also powered by Amorim Kork. Amorim Kork is partner of my German podcast and therefore they enabled me to do this whole endeavor in Bordeaux. And if you are currently looking for a new supplier of high quality cork, I recommend taking a look at Amorim Kork. And if you understand German, I also provide a nice German episode. I think it's number 62 with Gerd Reis. He's the CEO of the Northern European division of Amorim Cork, and we talk about the renaissance of cork and the future of closing, closing systems for wine bottles. This whole series, the Bordeaux series, was made possible by a German company called Euramobil, Euramobile, you would pronounce it in English. They produce high quality mobile homes and they provided me, meaning my wife and me, with a mobile home just for the trip to Bordeaux. And if you are interested in these kinds of things, I highly recommend going to the Art of Selling Wine episodes four, maybe five, and taking a look at our travel diary. In that episode, we talk about all the funny things we <laughs> got to see and uh, got to do in Bordeaux and all the accidents we had. And also, I give you a brief overview about the mobile home we were in and how living and working in a mobile home actually turned out to be. 
Additional partner for the French series is vitisphere.com. Whenever you want to find out about what's going on in French wine business, I highly recommend visiting Vitisphere. They are very helpful to our industry in France. The Bordeaux episodes were also supported by Bordeaux.com. It's the website of the Bordeaux Wine Growers Association, CIVB, and they supported me with giving me access to many, many, many of the interview partners that you are going to get to know in the following episodes. And we are live today with a very, very new kind of episode. And before I will introduce my guest, I would like to read some headlines to you and uh, just uh, to give you a short idea about what we are going to talk about. So, for example, we can read, beware the brown marmorated stink bug. Well, the next thing we can read here is a few words on grape wine leaf water potential. Or we have another one that says... Grape wine, latent butt dormancy and shoot development. And I have some more from another topic <laughs> that are, for example, forcing wine regrowth, a new technique to delay grape ripening until the cooler period, which is very cool. And then we have some more, which is, let me see, to juggle around in the magazine. Here we are, enology, next part. Observations on the phenolic stabilization of red wines, consequences on pre preparation for bottling. Or we have some even not so connected to uh, enology smartphone, the wine growers Swiss army knife. And we have the origin of olfactory disorders related to COVID-19. So these headlines I'm reading stem from a magazine. It's the so-called Eve's Technical Reviews. And today, my guest, Julian, Julian de Merck, he's um, editor-in-chief or editorial manager, I think, uh, of this magazine. But not only, um, today we want to talk about the institution that runs this magazine and some other things. And uh, now, Julian, I would like uh, you to introduce yourself because you know yourself a little better. And maybe do this with one question of mine. What is a wine and wine open access movement and why should we join it uh, thank you diego uh, so yes uh, my name is julian dumerc and uh, i am uh, the executive manager of uh, the international viticulture and enology society and it's all about this open access uh, movement in uh, in viticulture and enology um, back to the roots of this movement um, ives was created as a scientific publisher, but a very special one that is a response to scientific publication abuses. Um, to make a short history of, of these abuses, it's uh, mainly about um, publication costs for researchers that want to publish in research journals that uh, increased a lot in the last uh, 15 or 20 years. And at the same moment, the cost of subscriptions to the same research journals that increased a lot too. For a medium-sized university in the world, it's uh, around 20 million euros a year of subscriptions what? to <laughs> research journals. 
Yes. Oh, I did not know case, this. <laughs> yes, it's, it's really the, the basis of the story because um, researchers need to access these journals to know the state of the art in all the disciplines. Uh, today we talk about viticulture and enology, but it's, it's uh, true for um, uh, medicine, health, law, etc. For every discipline, all the researchers need to access these journals. So subscription is kind of compulsory. And uh, from this point, very big scientific editors uh, bought a lot of journals and controlling the offer, they, they rose the, the prices. And this is how it, it began to be really difficult for universities and researchers. So basically, so this is, uh, the, the scientific uh, publishing uh, became monopolized. And uh, if you want to be part of the academic, academic uh, group, you need to buy such a subscription. And it's just become a very lucrative business for some people. Yes, one of the, of the most lucrative businesses in the world, actually, uh, with, a, with a fantastic growth that was allowed uh, by the digitalization of the whole thing because before they needed to print everything and to send all the magazines everywhere in the world that was very expensive sure. but now everything is online and uh, the services ca can be for example copy editing or uh, page layout setup they can be done uh, everywhere in the world where the cost of working is, is not the same as in europe or in the us for example and so the costs are very low now but The, the, as I told you, the, the price of a subscription has, has risen dra dramatically and also the, the cost for publication. So this is why IOS uh, was created uh, as a 100-person open access scientific publisher, which means that all the content published in our journal N01, for example, our research journal, or in our technical journal, IVES Technical Reviews, that you mentioned, and on our portal, IVES Conference Series, is freely accessible. That's so, the starting point. So you are basically the, the underground counter-movement straight from the wine academic uh, uh, group. Cool. So uh, <laughs> yes. you, you are kind of the, the, the Bitcoin group of... Uh, of wine growing <laughs> we try to 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 escape the underground thanks to you and and other communication activities but yes we are a really a, a special movement yes yeah can you uh, can you talk a bit about um the history of eves as i understand it it is still quite young so um, somebody must have founded it and uh, somebody yes. must run it so please introduce the whole uh the whole project a little bit. Yes, it's, uh, it's very important. Uh, so at the beginning, IVES was created to support our research journal N01, because researchers that created IVES and N01, they wanted to run, to run their own journal in order to control this, uh, this amount of money that was spent for publishing and to to stop losing money for their labs and universities. So they created N01 in 2016, just before the creation of ICE. And that was the starting point with 12 universities 
Uh, I can mention the University of uh, Athens in Greece or Thessaloniki in Greece to the University of Bordeaux, the Institute of Vine and Wine Sciences, and the University of Dijon, Montpellier, Supagro, Bordeaux, Saint-Sago, and uh, the University of Geisenheim in Germany, of course, and uh, much more. That 12 universities decided to group and to, yes, to, to create a joint action, the joint action that uh, that allowed the creation of of N01. That's the the starting point in 2016. Then they created Ives to support, on the administrative point of view, the research journal. And after uh, everything accelerated, <laughs> and uh, because they are researchers, and uh, I must say quite interesting and uh, imaginative people. They, they thought that uh, they could launch new journals and uh, they decided to, to, to launch a technical journal that was bridging the gap between um, research to the end users. This is how they, they created IVES Technical Reviews in 2020. And uh, after that, they, they had a new ID and they, they created uh, a portal uh, that, that is named Ives Conference Series. And this portal gives access to the output um, of the major vine and wine conferences worldwide. So this is what they did from the beginning. And concerning how they rule Ives, the power is in the hands of the researchers from the beginning to the end. So we have uh, a board of directors that is constituted of one representative from each research institute and university that is a member of the consortium. And this board of directors um, is, is responsible for all the important decisions in the life of IVES, let's say the creation of a new journal or um, the hire of someone in the staff, because we have a staff too, I will. I will tell you about the stuff just before. Or, um, I don't know, a new action or a new meeting or something important. Everything is decided by the board of directors of IVES. And we also this, have... This sounds horribly political. Ah, no, it's, uh, for, it could be, yes. But uh, for them, it's, uh, it's more um, a, a, breath, a breath of, of, um, of cool hair because it's... Uh, it's a good action. They feel uh, they feel happy working uh, with us, and uh, all these meetings are really in a in a cool and still atmosphere. Hmm. Uh, I swear, it's it's not political. It's a, it's a, it could be, but no, it's more. They are really enthusiastic to see their research journal and one growing, and uh, becoming to be one of the leaders in the field worldwide. They are, they are enthusiastic to see that it works, that they don't spend money to, to publish, they don't spend money to read the articles. Uh, no, it's, it's really, they feel happy, uh, or they look happy, at least. Yeah, it's, it's, it's understandable. And as, as far as I understand, um, the, the most interesting thing for people who are not wine or uh, enology academics is 
that we also get access to uh, all your uh, papers to all everything that is published and so basically <laughs> if, if i understood correctly what you explained to me um before not just did you have to pay so much for the subscriptions for the journals but also we regular people we just didn't have any access so the the research was done done more or less in a in a very exclusive bubble um that yeah was kind of disconnected with the regular wine growing business in the outer world so um i think that what what you created here or what uh, what i stumbled upon when i was in bordeaux because uh, for the people who don't know we met in bordeaux i was interviewing a colleague of uh, julian's and uh, she said uh, diego there is something i should show you <laughs> and then she called uh, uh, julian and he came into the office and we talked and uh, this is where the whole thing took off and uh, yeah so uh, i was i was baffled uh, that i did not know about uh, ifs before but i mean you are very young uh, but the the whole project you are creating here is of an enormous scale and also it is very very interesting um, concerning the institutional partners the private members so this is really something people should know about and uh, not just only uh, to to for the name dropping aspect of it which is quite impressive but also what you do and um, so to uh, maybe you can give us a broad overview um, i have this uno one magazine here it's a printed yeah very very heavy <laughs> big book so it has quite some pages and um, on top of it it says july to september 2021 so it's uh, not the most uh, actual version and then it says volume 55 number three what does this mean Do yes you, have you published 55 of these things already uh, yes because um, before and before I know one, another journal existed. It, it was called the, the Journal International des Sciences de la Vigne in French. So I mentioned it in French. Yeah. Uh, it's really the name of the, of the journal. And uh, they, we did not start from uh, scratch. We started from this Journal International. And that's why we, we, uh, we collected everything that was published before. And you know, one is... Uh, the son of this ancient journal that existed for 50 years. And uh, some, something very interesting is that the researchers that, uh, that created N01, they decided to digitalize all the articles published within 50 years by the Journal International. So they digitalized everything. So you can find online the articles starting from the 60s. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's really also an historical uh, adventure because uh, it's rare to have access to all this, uh, this content from the past. This is why you find 50, 55 on, the, on, this, uh, on this issue. But and how, how... it's much lighter online <laughs> everything is online now and yeah sure it's easy to, to, to how big through. is your annual output so how many papers do you release every every year uh, yes it's a it's an important point because we want to publish more and more and this is why we develop our consortium where we have now 25 research institutes 
on board and we started with with 12 and uh, yes we publish now between uh, 80 and 100 scientific papers in the research journal no one that is the equivalent of um, two journals that I will uh, name now that are the American Journal of uh, Viticulture and Energy and the Australian Journal for uh, for Gripping One Research. So these two journals together publish less than N01 every year. And we hope that if we accelerate, we don't want to, to uh, we're not really competitors of these journals. We don't want to, to kill these journals at all. But uh, to, to tell you a um, crucial point is that only 10% of the research in viticulture and energy is published in specialized journals for viticulture and energy, like N01, the American journals, the Australian journal, the South African journal of Vitis, only 10%. The rest is published in, in journals that are more specialized in food chemistry or agronomy or plant science, phytopathology, microbiology, etc. So we want to publish more and to attract <laughs> articles from these 90% that are escaping <laughs> the viticulture and energy publishing. Yeah, I see. And um, the the one thing that uh, yeah we are trying to do here, so to introduce this to my audience a little bit, um, we had the idea to create a communication channel for IVES because um, when I visited um, the university where Julian is, I discovered that even though um, yeah the the technical reviews are very short and they are written in a way that they are accessible for people without a phd um yet there at least from my point of view there's there's still a communication gap and this communication gap um is not so much a language problem it's rather a reach problem so you have the academic bubble talking to the academic yes. bubble and yes. um i i offered help because i mm -hmm. found this amazing what you do and um so i uh, i yeah proposed to produce a monthly science communication podcast together and uh yeah so uh, as you as you are listening to this interview right now you can uh, imagine how the proposal <laughs> turned out so this is the first episode and um, yeah maybe you will later on uh, hear a bit more from uh, julian or from his colleagues um, but julian maybe uh, you can um, talk a little bit about uh, what you expect from this uh, partnership and how it will uh, develop and wh what what your plans are what how you try to use my communication channel as yes researchers. yes 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 and thank you thank you very much for this opportunity because um we created this technical journal as a bridge between research and professionals from the industry and we published we published short articles as you said uh, two pages in six languages, so English, German, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, and French. Um, we get more and more readers, but uh, we know that 
the content published is published is normally quite accessible to the professionals from the vine and wine industry, technical directors, uh, enologists, viticulturalists, um, etc. But still, we need to reach them. You, you're totally right. And uh, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. We're quite young. Uh, and so we want to, to have different communication channels. And podcasting is, is really, I think, a good way to, to reach people that, that want to learn. And, uh, and Diego is a good podcast, podcaster. We, we were very happy to discover you, Diego. Uh, we, we really want to, uh, to, to, to use your, 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 your channel to, to, yes, to, to give access to, to what we do to your, to your um, audience. But more than that, we want to create something uh, with you that, that will be of interest and something different from the, the technical articles. So we will try to uh, to involve researchers that that published in uh, in our journals, and uh, and Diego will make interviews, and you will uh, uh, you uh, listeners have access to to researchers for uh, for short talks about the, the the articles, and we we really hope that that we give you um, the the wonder, the desire to to read what what we we publish. Yeah, so my basic idea was uh, when I did the interview with your colleague, with uh, Agnes, um, we talked about the research on new grape varieties for Bordeaux, especially. So uh, <laughs> funny as it is, uh, this uh, first IVES episode will get released <laughs> before the interview I did with Agnes. So um, uh, I can I can teaser it here a bit. Um, and uh, so we had this discussion about new grape varieties, about uh, peewee fungal resistant varieties and about uh, if, uh, if France should just uh, focus on French varieties from other Fra French regions or if you would also go and look at varieties from different countries or like th these kind of conversations we had and um, I figured out that the whole topic of uh, how to introduce new new uh, varieties uh, what factors are important this is quite an intense topic so we talked two hours about it and um, I, I did not uh, at, at first get a satisfying answer to many of my questions and I thought okay this is it's get, it's getting interesting because these are the researchers that we winemakers turn to 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 understand uh, if we plant a new vineyard which type of vineyard we should plant maybe not based on on uh, consumer decisions but based on climatic changes based on groundwater based on whatever soil based on uh, yeah knowledge from other countries and so it takes quite some time to um, to understand the implica implications of research uh, and to translate them into our everyday business decisions. And uh, I figured that when after two hours, I got the feelings that I understood what is trying to be communicated from the researchers uh, point, um, then also my audience understood. And uh, so what I'm trying to, to do with you is actually um, 
I hope that this will turn out this way, that uh, I get in contact with more and more researchers from all over the world um, that publish in your magazines and talk to them about the real world implications of their research and of their findings and of what this means for the wine growers out there and how they can adapt their business, how they can adapt their wine growing, how they can uh, use the information for their um for running their business for doing strategical decisions and uh, so this is very very important and um, i was absolutely amazed <laughs> when i got to know you because i've been looking for such an opportunity quite for some time and it was presented on a silver tablet actually so um, mm -hmm. for, for the people listening um, it might be very very interesting to get an idea about the kind of topics that you talk about so are you mainly focused on wine production so on viticulture and enology or do you also talk about wine distribution market research so what is uh, What, what's going to come up for the people who check out your uh, offer? Yes, yes. Uh, first, maybe I need to, to explain how we select the topics. And uh, to explain that, I need to go back a little bit um, and explain uh, why and how the idea came of creating this technical journal. Just a short interruption because I want to talk directly to you who are listening to this podcast. I'm Diego. I'm the host of this podcast, obviously. What you maybe do not know is that I'm also active as wine marketing consultant for wineries and I'm specialized in small and medium-sized family wineries that try to figure out their strategic positioning. This often occurs when the winery faces a generational change, so it's ahead of them or they just did it, and the new owners try to find their identity and the winery's identity. The other scenario where my help is often asked is when wineries change their market, so for example from producing bulk wine to bottling wine. Strategic positioning, I can explain this best on my own podcast. So there are many of wine podcasts, mostly talking about food pairing and stuff. There's one podcast for wine professionals talking about how to make money in the wine industry. This is mine and this is very special. So this leads to platforms like Wine Plus. It's 230,000 members. 30,000 of them are professionals working together with me or Vitisphere, the main French medium for wine growing, working together with me, or IVES, the worldwide corporation of wine research institutes, working together with me because of my strategic positioning. But this is also possible for wineries. But when I look around, most of the wineries I see, they have a me too positioning, meaning look at me, I also do organic wine, or I also do vegan wine, or I also have a vineyard in this area, Or I also produce orange wine, or what have you. So this is positioning, but it's not good. Let me tell you the story of one of my customers. It's Terra Preta Weingut Huppert, meaning Terra Preta Winery Huppert. And so together we positioned them as the only winery that has its brand centered around the use of Terra Preta. Why is this important? Because if you check this stuff out, It has a huge community on YouTube. You can buy it in grocery stores. Uh, television channels are reporting about it. Joe Rogan podcast is reporting about it. And no winemaker got the idea to use it as his strategic positioning. 
So instead of saying, yeah, I'm organic winery Huppert, we can say I'm Terra Preta winery Huppert. This is good strategic positioning. And I consulted them and I helped them to change their whole brand around this new identity. And the effect of it is that they now can sell their wine where no other winery is selling because they are part of the Terra Preta community from now on. And if you want to learn how strategic positioning can help you grow your business and stabilize your income, do not hesitate to contact me. I do my consulting locally because I travel the wine world a lot, but also online via Zoom or video conferences. And so just contact me and we can talk about what is possible. As open access publishing is very expensive, we would not have the, the financial power to, to, to publish everything that we publish uh, only with the money of our members. So universities and research institutes that study viticulture and energy worldwide. So we, we also get support uh, from major actors from the industry, mainly wine producers all around the world. And uh, they are now 31 private partners uh, supporting IVES. And we Oh, Julian, we um, I, I would uh, invite you to uh, to name them because the list is quite impressive. And ah, also, yes. also um, take the chance and uh, inform the people who listen here uh, about uh, how to become private member if they want to support you. Yes, so I can name a few of them because sure. 31 would be quite long for the podcast, I think. But, uh, yes, of course, we have a, a high number of first girls from Bordeaux and it's really, really nice to have them on board because they have a huge visibility. Everybody knows uh, Chateau Cheval Blanc, uh, Petrus, Chateau Latour, Chateau Lafitte, uh, etc. I hope that the other would not be jealous, but... Uh, I will, uh, I will also mention that we have support from other wine-producing countries. Uh, we are supported by Gallo Winery in the US, by Opus One in, uh, in Napa, by Dalla Valley Vineyards also in, uh, in the US. And we, we want to, to involve more, more wine producers for all over, from all around the world. And recently, we, we got the chance to, to get the support from uh, Bodem Bodegas in Spain. And we are really grateful for, for this support because uh, it's mainly a, a charity. They, they, don't, they don't get much in return. In fact, they, but one point is that they, they are involved on the editorial board of the technical journal. And uh, that would be a way to go back to, to the point that is how we select the topics. But first, I will uh, take this opportunity to to talk about partnerships a bit more. So we have these uh, private partners that support us. Um, they all give us 4,500 4, euros a year. And we have another kind of partnerships that is high visibility partnerships that are high visibility partnerships, sorry. And uh, these high visibility partners, they, they give us more funding and in uh, 10,000 euros a year. And in return, they, they get more visibility because they are cited on all the articles published in one language. Uh, we give you an, an example in English. 
Uh, all the articles published by the, the technical journal in English mention the, the sentence, uh, this translation was offered to you by Muetensi, and we put the logo of Muetensi. And it's the same for Sogrape Vinos in, Port in Portuguese, but uh, I will not try to tell you the sentence in Portuguese because <laughs> that would be a uh, disaster. And in Italian, we, we work with uh, <laughs> with the Gourmet International and the Wine Hunter Hub that uh, helped us um, funding the translation to Italian. And I will not tell you the sentence neither because it would not be... Oh, I, you, you can do... <laughs> I, I have a very long tradition of butchering uh, foreign languages on my podcast. So, okay, uh, <laughs> so let's go. I will take one. Uh, so I will try with Italian. Maybe it's... Uh, it's better. <laughs> La traduzione di questo articolo in italiano è stata offerta da Wine Hunter Hub. <laughs> so, thank you, Wine Hunter Hub. Thank you, Sograte Vinos, and thank you, my tenancy, for, for this support. It's a, because it's very expensive to publish a technical journal in, in six languages. The translation uh, costs around 50,000 uh, euros a year. Uh, and you can imagine that uh, the translators that we use are special kind of uh, translators. They, they all, all of them, they, they hold a PhD or at least master's degrees in viticulture and, and or enology. So they are very precise, very good translators and very expensive. <laughs> So you have not tried DeepL yet. <laughs> so yes, we, we 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 are open to to more support, of course, and it's really easy. People uh, from from wineries are. Um, we also have service suppliers, and uh, for example, we have um, a cooperage, a cooperage uh, company. Uh, they they just need to make contact with, with me through the International Viticulture and Enology website. You will find my, my email there. And then, uh, as I told you, all the power is in the hands of the researchers. So the representatives of the, the universities and research institutes, they are asked to, to validate, to give their green lights to new partnerships. But usually it's... Uh, usually it's... Uh, it's, it's not complicated. They, they are happy to get more, more support. And after a vote from our members, uh, it's easy. There is not a lot of administrative work to do and, uh, and we get uh, new partners like this. Uh, back, maybe back to the point. Diego, I don't know if you, if you want to ask me a question or... Oh, but, no. uh, okay. So back to the point uh, of the topics covered. So we we have on our board of um, of, of our um, sorry we have on our editorial board uh, of the technical journals uh, half of uh, researchers and uh, half of wine professionals and uh, within these uh, wine professionals you you will find most of our private partners represented because these journals was created uh, starting from an idea from one hour our private partners that we, in fact is one of our high visibility partners from Sograte. I can mention Antonio Grassa. 
Antonio Grassa, Portuguese, that is a, that is the the research and development director of the Sogra Pevinos company, and he had this idea. It's good to support NO1 and your research journal, but um, we would like something that we could give to our workers, to our teams, to our technical teams in the field. So you need to create something more. And this is why we created IFS technical reviews. And because yes, something more needed to be created. Uh, technical journals exist all around the world, but we are unique because we are free, we are multilingual, and the information that we publish is peer reviewed. So each article that you will find online on our research journal, uh, sorry, technical journal, life technical reviews, uh, was uh, reviewed by a researcher on one hand to certify the scientific quality, at least one researcher, so, uh, one researcher, some, sometimes two, and a professional from the industry on the other hand to ensure the interest of our readership uh, for the topic and also for the scientific level. Sometimes the scientific level is too high. The technical journal is not there uh, for researchers to speak to researchers. So we need to, to make a communication uh, uh, process to 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 adapt the level of um, of the article to our readership, and sometimes it can be surprising, but sometimes the scientific level is too low. Researchers they they know that they talk to professionals, but sometimes they don't realize that uh, you professionals from the viticulture and energy uh, world you already know a lot of things about wine and wine science yeah so the, the education the... level in wine growing has become uh, quite yes. high actually i'm i'm always surprised when i uh, so uh, I'm, I'm i'm working as a consultant for mostly german wineries and uh, sometimes uh, when i get introduced into the cellars and we start talking about the chemistry of wine and i'm just so baffled about the knowledge that uh, some of these winemakers have um, even though they don't have phds they don't have master's degrees sometimes they have bachelor degrees but they are so into their topic they they suck up every information and i mean they they do the, yes. the field work yes, they, we can we can mention the very good work that is done by by Geisenheim university for or, for example, or Neustadt too, and in France, for by other universities that study vine and wine sciences, the level is very high. That's true, and uh, all this this education is really well made. But uh, it's not true in all parts of the world. So it's good to have different level of articles too, and yep. the readers will will make their their choice. And uh, about the topics, maybe so. Uh, they are decided by, by the editorial board. So basically the, the, the industry representatives on the board, they, they have desires. They, they want to see special topics covered by our journal. So they, they ask for information uh, on particular uh, topics. Uh, for example, uh, it can be about emerging pests uh, like uh, Drosophila Suzuki, 
So they, they will ask information about this pest that can destroy the berries. And so the yield and also impact the quality of wines. So they will uh, they will ask during the, the editorial board meeting, ah, can't we have an article published about Josephina Suzuki? And uh, then the researchers and other professionals present during the meeting, they, they find people, they search for researchers or technical people that studied the topic, and we target these people to have the topic covered. So this is how it works. But it's a, it's the same on all the different topics. Um, uh, for another topic about plant health is uh, is viruses. Uh, vi viruses are are really badly impacting the uh, the, the the wine industry and the, the wine production worldwide. It's a, it's a, it's not a really um, known topic, but it's it's a big concern for, for wine professionals. And so we, we need to publish articles about viruses and we will this year, this is how it works. And uh, it's not only about viticulture and enology, uh, what we publish, but mainly for now, but we, we want to, to broaden the, the topics because we, we will publish everything that is of interest for the industry in a very, very uh, large way, I think, we will publish articles that will be useful for uh, the corporate, corporate industry. We will publish other articles that will be useful for, for, for the, the producers of sparkling wines. We'll, we'll have other topics that will be of interest for everybody. Uh, we want to publish articles um, on economics. We want to publish articles on the health of the workers. Um, and broad topics like this, it, and it will be the case more. It will be more and more the case. But that's true that we start from one what we know, <laughs> and as I told you, the consortium is uh, is constituted of uh, viticulture and energy universities and research institutes. So it was easier to start with this kind of uh, of articles. But we have uh, we have more. We we start to have technology articles, uh, for example, the the use of drones to spray in uh, steeply sloping vineyards. It's more a technological article. Yeah, well, for a, example, here we have hydrogen or battery tractors. Yeah, yes, exactly. Something like this, mm. yeah. Okay, I see. Yeah, and uh, you know that these articles are uh, the most read, in fact. And uh, we realized that, we realized that uh, through the statistics, the opening topics are the most read articles. So we yeah. know that we need to publish more opening on opening topics. and. Uh, the editorial board requests these two, so we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one thing I would like to add, because um, I think uh, I, I see a common theme here that is true for uh, the real world winemaking as well. Um, I don't consider good winemaking to be the biggest question of our industry i consider the question how to sell wine well to be the bigger problem because uh, as we all know no temperatures are rising co2 levels are rising and all this there is more or less good for grape quality more or less but in general we can say the wines are becoming better and it's becoming easier to produce high quality Absolutely. wines um, so the the biggest question becomes 
how to sell them when the general quality is very high and you can't uh, stand out uh, just by product quality anymore. So you need you need uh, to know more about economics and uh, about marketing. So uh, I personally, I would like to see more of these topics in here. But uh, as maybe you will help us to to, <laughs> to get in contact with the good writers on these topics. But uh, I have in mind a, a team from Bordeaux that uh, that that is specialized in uh, experimental economics. Yeah, and I put the consumers in front of choices and um, and trade-offs to yeah. to make between, uh, for example, um, the, the quality of the wine, like uh, its taste or uh, flavor, and um, the, the, the environmental um, aspects of, the, of its production with mm -hmm. labels, organic wine, biodynamic wine, uh, high environmental value wine, etc. And it's very interesting to see the trade-offs that the consumers We'll have to we have to make, and to to understand this is a, is of course a good way to to understand how to to sell a wine and uh, uh, also how not to sell it. I would say, <laughs> yes, uh, definitely, definitely, you're right. Uh, this is what we need to to investigate too. Yeah, I mean the the basic idea behind it is. Uh wine production depends on cash flow and cash flow depends on sales and sales depends on your marketing uh, so yeah that's basically why i called my podcast the art of selling wine because i consider this to be the most important question that wine growers out there should think about because uh, just improving your product quality won't help so much if you don't get your bottles sold or if you don't get yeah, the return yeah. you need to sustain your uh, winery mm -hmm. um, i would like to to go to another topic and uh, that is maybe a bit more uh, uncomfortable for you so um when i look at the the topics you told me uh, you are uh, researching on pests on viruses on diseases um, how do you ensure that uh, eves is not uh, undermined or misused as advertorial research publishing uh, device for agrochemistry companies actually yes it's a it's a it's a big issue you're right but it's not only about IFS technical reviews, it's for all technical journals worldwide. Yes. Um, we, we, we completely forbid advertising and advertorials. That's the central part of our uh, reviewing process, in fact. So the, the researchers that review each article that we publish, that will be published by the normal they are asked to, to make sure that the results are valid. There are different ways to do that. The first way is to republish results that were already validated by a publication in a research journal. A research journal will never ever publish an advertorial or results that would be um, that, that would not would be that would be untrue and uh, created with the aim of selling a product. So publishing articles 
uh, sourced from uh, from peer-reviewed research article is is a good way to to make sure that uh, we don't publish advertorials and we don't get influenced by um, companies, private companies, uh, service providers, or uh, or uh, yes, companies from the the chemical uh, industry, for example. Um, but we also publish our, uh, articles that are not sourced from research articles. And for, for these ones, we, we are particularly uh, careful with the, the, the results that we publish. And we, we asked two researchers to, to review them. And we always ask more information about the materials and methods and uh, how the statistics were calculated for, for the results. And we always make sure that the results are as solid as they would be in a research journal. So it's, for us, it's crucial because it's a, it's a huge problem for, for technical publications all around the world. Sometimes it's really difficult to make the difference between an article that we be um, robust on a scientific point of view and an advertorial it can look the I mean, same the, the, the basic idea as far as i understand or the basic problem is um the question who funds the research so is it for example state funded or is it funded by yeah. any agrochemistry it, company and and then uh, the question who funds it also mm -hmm. influences the topic that is actually researched on so ah, um, yes it's a topic but... the topic mm -hmm. might be might be very valid but the decision what where, where to research in the field to research in might be biased because of the uh, company that actually funds yes re research uh, I, i don't have uh, precise figures don't so i, I don't want to hmm. to tell things that are not uh, valid But uh, but you, it's true. Let's say that's that's completely true. That part of the research worldwide is funded by the industry. So it can be uh, a yeast yeast producers for energy, for example, or uh, or nurseries for for little uh, vine plants. Um, that funds. They, they can fund research and uh, there are PhD students that are hired thanks to, to these funds. And for me, it's not a problem because they fund their research in partnership with the university. It's fine. Then when we, when we go to scientific publishing, here there is um, a tricky thing is that we need to, to be careful that the, the, the research done is really Uh, pure, intellectually honest. So this is why peer reviewing is very important. And we do that very carefully in NO1 and in ICE technical reviews. For sure, you can trust us. Uh, I will go back to, to another point just after. That is the way that we are funded too, because we also get support from private partners. But uh, Just to make a comparison with uh, with other technical journals, we are one of the only technical journals in the world to be peer-reviewed. So in the other technical journals, you can have research results 
that were uh, funded by by industry uh, companies by by private companies that will be published without any checking by researchers so you can have results that are not robust and that are influenced by the marketing uh, uh, opportunity that uh, that see these companies that's that's true uh, concerning ice <laughs> as i told you we get support from uh, from industry uh, partners and uh, part of them are uh, they they sell products they, they sell energy products so they sell uh, barrels uh, we can mention uh, lafor in france and uh, l'allemand too we can mention uh, the tonnerie sylvain or diam that sells um, quarks uh, they they are all engaged in ice but when they they integrate ice they they sign a, a charter of ice that mentioned that they will be automatically rejected the day they 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 would start to influence or try to influence the editorial policy of the journals because our editorial independence is the most important thing to maintain while developing ice this is not negotiable this is why all the 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 editors in chiefs of our of our journals our researchers from universities and uh, research institute uh, so that's the first step of uh, of independence they are the most independent people in the world normally so it's a of course they can get influenced but we are protected by this charter too and we never had any problem of uh, of uh, private partners uh, of private partners trying to influence our editorial policy but we are careful with this and this is why we created this uh, charter of ives so do you provide information about um, how the research is funded uh, it's not compulsory in fact, it's not compulsory, and we, um, we don't do that. Or yes, you, for, it's for a, you to understand, I, I would mm. I would not um, from, coming from my perspective, and not as the podcast guy, but just as Diego. Um, mm. We we can use the um, the example of the yeast that you uh, that you came up with. So I would have absolutely no problem to read an interesting research paper on a certain selected type of yeast that is maybe you know, selected by some company. And I know, okay, the company funded research on how this yeast interacts with different grape varieties or in different climate zones or whatever. This is interesting because people will use it. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to know that it is funded by this company And yes. this, because this has two implications. This has one, the implication that I know, okay, it's a product out there and I will get information about how this product will behave in my climate zone, in my country, with my grape varieties. So mm -hmm. this is useful. But also this explains to me why the same researcher maybe did not publish about sp spontaneous fermentation. So mm -hmm. I, I, you know. I see. So, so You have two 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 ways to 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 know that it's not stated in the article in a, in a big blue characters at the beginning, no. but 
the authors are always mentioned and you can see if the authors uh, are from a company or not. Okay. You will always have a representative of the company on an article that is based on the results um, of research fun funded by this company. Yes. You will always have. This is the first way to, to get informed. The second way, it's not an information, but it's a, it's a protection. You are protected by the peer reviewing system because the reviewers know if the research is funded by a private company or not. So they consider this during their work of validation of the content and results. And so when the article is put online, it is like any other research article that would be funded by a public institution because it's approved mm. by the peer reviewing system. How does this peer reviewing system work, actually? I mean, who chooses oh, yes, who, who, who gets yeah. to peer review? Yeah, I mean, I, I want to ask this yes, question it, because it, it, I, I really sorry, don't know. <laughs> I like these questions uh, uh, because it's, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, so researchers, they, the, the, so you understood that the, the, the most common way to share their results and research with other researchers um, is to publish articles. This is the most important thing to know. So they, they need journals to organize the peer reviewing. So uh, N01 is uh, accountable for the peer reviewing of the articles that N01 receives. So I, I, I approach Uno One. So I'm a researcher from... You're a researcher. Wherever. I tell you, yeah. okay, listen, guys, I have this piece of research paper here. I, I propose it. it to you, and then you yes. you organize the peer review process. Yeah, sure. So it's a, we have two editors in chiefs, but we also have more than uh, 70 uh, uh, um, associate editors. So the, the paper arrives. First, we, we check if it's, uh, if it's correctly written and if it's uh, reviewable, let's say. <laughs> That's an administrative work. It's for the staff of IVES. Then the, the editors-in-chiefs, they, they have a first reading of the paper and they can reject it immediately if they think that it's not uh, correct enough, if the level is not high enough, or if it's not in the, if it's not in the scope of the journal, or uh, if they, they, they find it strange or uh, maybe influenced or something, they can reject it immediately. And uh, more than 25% uh, of the articles are rejected immediately by the editors-in-chiefs. Editors-in-chiefs, yes. Um, first, then they select an associate editor that is a specialist of the topic because we have only two editors-in-chief. So they are specialists of uh, a part of viticulture and uh, the other editor-in-chief is specialist of a part in analogy, but they don't know everything. So they, they select a colleague that is a specialist of the of the specific topic of your article, Diego. And uh, this person will be the, the contact point with the authors. So you will know who is the associate editor that is in charge of your paper. This associate editor, we select three reviewers uh, amongst his contact because he knows very well the topics. He knows all the colleagues that work on these topics. 
So they, he can select, or she, of course, they, they can select these associate editors and relevant reviewers for your work. Uh, of course, they don't select the authors of the paper <laughs> because you can't review your, your own work. But, and uh, nor they, do, they don't select people from the same research institute, etc. There is a there is a, uh, there are rules that are that are respected in this case to avoid any conflict of interest. Uh, then the reviewers read the paper, analyze analyze it, and they they give their feedback. So we have uh, three feedbacks uh, stating the, the scientific quality, the originality of the research, if the, the, the results are robust, etc., and a lot of comments on the Word document. And uh, these feedbacks are analyzed by the, the associate editor that uh, make a summary of, of, of these feedbacks and send it back to the authors. So the authors have a first idea of the what the reviewers think about their paper if the if the the feedback from the, the reviewers is really uh, bad <laughs> let's say the editor the associate editor can reject the paper in fact they can reject the paper immediately also if they decide that is before reviewing that it's not that it's not not good enough they reject it but they, they can reject it after a first round of review or after a second version of the article, a second round of review. If it's not good enough, they can reject it or we, we can have a third round of review. And it's always a communication between authors and reviewers that is ruled by the, 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 the associate editor. Once they agree that the article is good enough to be published, uh, it can take two, three, Four month, <laughs> it's it's quite a, a long process. We we get to a final version of the article. We have it proofread by a, a copy editor because there are always little mistakes in English uh, for for non-native English speakers and also for from native English speakers. In fact, there are always little um, changes to to make to to make it uh, cleaner. And then we, we put it, uh, oh, we make a, a page layout work to, to, to make it more pretty <laughs> so that you can download it in PDF and, and see that it's, uh, that it's nice. And we put it online. This is how it works. <laughs> okay. And so how much work time do you need as a reviewer? I mean... It's a, it's it's huge it's huge for for a good review it's a, it's half 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 a day or a day of work a day okay. of work or half a day for the first reading and analyze of a paper. So sometimes when you before you publish a paper, like four people go through it three times. So you have up to ten days of work. Yes. Sometimes. Who, yes, pay, and who the, pays for that? I mean, no, no, no one. They, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how, how does the system work actually? Uh, it's supposed to be, it is, in fact, part of the work of a researcher. Okay. It's stated like this, and every researcher in the world will accept that. So you, you have a certain amount of your work time that is just dedicated to reviewing other stuff. And yes, because uh, you do it, you know that other people will yes, do it for because you. Because you know, <laughs> but, but you know, 
they work a lot, so it's always something more. So it's it's difficult to involve reviewers. You're right. You're right. Especially uh, we are we are um, I think uh, a pure action of scientific publication because we don't make money. But most of of the the scientific publishers worldwide are not non-profit organization. Yeah, they pay shareholders. They they make money. It's a way to to create value. So <laughs> they want to publish more and more articles. So they involve, they involve reviewers, and they don't pay them because it's a, so they make money. Uh, <laughs> let's say thanks to the author, thanks to the reviewers, and uh, this is what we wanted to to change. And so we don't pay the reviewers, but we send them a very good bottle of wine for each review. <laughs> it's not bad, no, it's, it's not bad, I think. And we, we send around 150 bottles of wine uh, every six months. <laughs> it's, uh, it's hard work for the staff, but you, you don't imagine how happy they are to receive something for this work. Yeah, sure. I, I can imagine. And uh, I ask these question, questions because um, I've heard quite some discussions about the state of um, yeah, the peer review system and about the state of the um, academic system uh, worldwide and uh, also a bit about the, the corruption that goes into it because uh, yes. there, is, there is definitely some corruption going yes, on. Yes, but everything is secret for, for us. The, the yeah. name of the reviewers are known yeah. only by the, the associate editors that has no interest to influence the process or normally uh, yeah. very little interest it can be. Always in research, you know, they are all competitors on different topics. So, of course, sometimes we try to avoid that, and it's forbidden, yeah. of course, by no one. But uh, sometimes researchers, uh, of course, will be happy to to slow down the process of uh, publishing of results that are more or less the same <laughs> uh, ah, as results okay. that he has you know, <laughs> or his so. team. Okay, so, so you, you, you get an idea about uh, the kind of questions that I will also ask your uh, researchers, not just the content, but also the yeah, background of the research, the, um, because I think this, that. yeah, and, and this, this creates part of the value, actually, for the people who are listening to it, because, um, as I said, I, I don't think there's any problem with having um, private financial interest in research, because we are all part of an industry, like we, we talk about something people earn their money with and feed their children from and like this is, it's natural to have financial interest in there. But I think it's also, also interesting to know about it. Uh, so yes, yeah. very important for 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 the world community, in fact, not only for vertical technology, but for the world society to understand this process of scientific validation of data. Um, in in COVID world, you've seen how important it was to get yes. access to, to, to robust scientific information. And all the, all the, the talks that uh, with specialists that were not uh, on the same line, let's say. So uh, that's normal to have discussion in research. That's normal to have controversial talks, but uh, the validation is always made by peer reviewing system. And that's not that known by the society. Hmm. And it's a pity yeah. it's good that you help. I, I think the, the danger, that. 
the the danger is much more when it comes to um, the interpretation of scientific data to influence public opinion. I think this is this is where it gets really bad. Uh, in our case, I mean, this is an industry talk. It's not meant for wine consumers. It's meant for wine producers. So uh, yes. th there's a big interest, a uh, big common interest actually in in having um, having high quality uh, research from every side. So I'm not so much concerned about this, but I just wanted to bring up the topic to to set the ground for the later interviews um so um let i want to jump a bit um we've heard about the uno one we've heard about the tech reviews which are basically the short abstracts and uh, a bit more civilian <laughs> easy language <laughs> abstracts uh, for people who just want to get the basic findings and not the whole process and uh, then you have the eve's conference series uh, talk about, yes. about about this a little bit yes it's a, it's, a, it's something that uh, that exists in uh, in other um, in other research and uh, other scientific communities but not in uh, in viticulture and enology until I've the conference series was created. I told you that the main way for researchers to communicate between each other was uh, scientific publication in peer-reviewed research formal. But there is another way to communicate between researchers that is um, faster and more direct. That uh, that is. Um, meeting during international conferences. Um, for your audience, maybe uh, they they don't understand really what is international that are, what are international research conferences, but I will name them and maybe they will understand. Uh, for example, uh, last year we had macro wine; it was uh, digitalized, sadly. But uh, uh, this year we have. Um, uh, wine active compounds in Dijon in um, in June we have the terroir conference that is very famous that will uh, that will be uh, linked to the, the climate conference so that will be Terclim in Bordeaux we will have Ives in Neustadt in Vino Analytica Scientia so these all of these conferences are major gathering points for researchers meeting points they would never we never escape from these meetings because it's a way to meet the other researchers. It's a way to, to have good time, discover things, cities, etc. But it's a place where research advances. So a researcher that, that would like to, to uh, have the time to uh, a time slot to explain his research will apply for this time slot. And to apply for this, he will write an abstract of his research or a short article. And then the, the organization committee of this of the conference will say, oh, yes, this is good. This is less interesting. This is bad. And they select a number of people to talk. And these people will present the research they, uh, they do, but uh, the current research they do, not the research they publish, because before they publish, they need to <laughs> do research <laughs> and they need to have results so this is they come and they say this is what we do actually uh currently we we we, we work on the smoke taint and we use this methodology and these are our preliminary results and they ask the audience made of their peers what do, what do you think and this is really the place where uh, 
you can understand which research is being done. Uh, so this is very, very interesting. I, I know the principle from the startup uh, community where people meet and they just pitch their ideas and hope mm -hmm. to get a discussion going with other founders, with other experienced people in the audience uh, to to uh, proof test their idea. And uh, like you have so many people that just they think, okay, here I see a problem, there I see a problem. Did you yeah, think this about is. this? This this whole yeah. discussion goes on and it's super and valuable. Yes, and sometimes it's very rude. Rude yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, you can do it like this because we tried and it's it's not working. Yep. And so <laughs> you see uh, it can be rude but uh, it's a, it's a, a way to to communicate uh, between scientists that is uh, that is uh, more direct and uh, and uh, very interesting to to make their research events uh, what we do is that we we propose the conferences to to publish all the abstracts and little articles that the researchers submitted to get access to a talk. So we take everything and we put that online. And so uh, you will find on IFS conference series, the different uh, conferences that we work with, uh, for example, Terroir, uh, Macrovine, uh, Jesco, Uno, that will be in Bordeaux in 2023. I need to tell that, if not, they will kill me. So, uh, And when you, you go through, you, you find all the abstracts that, that were submitted and all the articles. And very interesting, very important, the contact of the researchers that, made, that, that did the research and that presented the work or that submitted an abstract. So you can go through with keywords. You, you ask, the, you ask the, the research engine, to, the search engine to, to find a smoke taint. And we have uh, three, four, five results. And so you will see which research team works on smoke taint these days or this past month, let's say. Because if you go through um, research publication on an one or on other journals, if you have access, but uh, you, you told it, Diego, you don't have access to the other journals. So you go to an one and you search for smoke taint, you will find one article only. Because what is published in the other one, it is what has been done three years ago. Or uh, okay, ago. I, I understand. Because the so, time so... They, they take to, to, to make sure that uh, the results are robust after the experiment is huge, then they need to write the papers. And then you know that yes. the peer reviewing system is quite long. So you don't, you don't have access to what is being done in an one you, you you have access to something robust that has been done one or two years ago so maybe i can ask a very practical question right now because yeah. uh, i'm i'm working in a project with a winery and we uh, we rebrand them as the terra preta winery I, i don't know if you've heard about terra terra preta it's a it's a type no, of no. Um, human made soil that was discovered in the Uh, Amazonian area oh. and uh, so it's a very very old technique to produce oh, okay. uh, a fertile layer of soil oh, okay. and uh, it is in use a little bit in uh, agriculture and in wine growing and uh, yeah so uh, one of the wineries that I'm working with will be the first 
wine brand that puts this into their name so to make it their strategic positioning and um, i i'm super interested in getting in contact with researchers who do current research on this soil because we prepare some of the finest vineyards uh, that are in this area and that are quite renowned in germany as um, vineyards uh, we prepare them with this type of soil and this is very unique so uh, i i was wondering how could i find out about you can have a try if you want you just need to spell <laughs> the word, yeah, yeah. The word. <laughs> i i i will i will put it into the chat so yeah. uh, let's see so <laughs> therapeuta therapeuta right let's go back <laughs> So Terrapeta, yes, we'll, we'll have a try with this. We'll, uh, we'll I just put Terrapeta in the search engine of uh, Ice Conference. Please. Maybe we'll find nothing. But maybe we'll have something. Uh, we have something. Uh, but we don't have Terrapeta. <laughs> we have other Terra <laughs> that are different Terras from Italy. Mm -hmm. So we have nothing. So it's pretty sure that it that there are no research. Uh, there, there is a little bit of research going on in Germany. I know about this. So in, uh, in Neustadt, and maybe they never presented it in any research co conference. Possible. Or they never published it. <laughs> we we try maybe with uh, with no one. Never know. And then uh, technical reviews. I I know it pretty well because I'm uh, I'm the executive manager of Vice, but I'm also the editorial manager of Vice. Technical review, so I know all the articles we published. I know that there is no, no results on any on no one either. So, so then some some research will be needed because it's it's a very very interesting yeah, exactly. topic. I, I won't that's go into the topic to so much. Some research in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people can Google it for themselves, but it's a it's a mm -hmm. very interesting thing. So um, yeah, we we've done nearly one and a half hours. So I would like to finish this uh, talk now, and. Um, yeah, maybe uh, one one last question. So um, I think you are one of the persons, maybe worldwide, who has maybe the best overview about uh, what topics are being researched in wine and grape uh, universities and institutions. So, from your perspective, what's the what are the most amazing or interesting research? projects that are going on that people should be aware of at the moment it's, it's difficult to say it's a it's a very very huge work but it's a, it's funny that you ask this because uh, i just printed an article uh, that is called research trends in the enological and vitical sectors that is normally in open access and that was published by a journal that is called Trends in Neurological and Viticulture Research. Uh, there is also the Australian Journal of uh, Grape and Wine Research that published uh, something similar. I, I saw that on uh, on social media. So I just printed it. I have not read it. <laughs> oh, so okay. I can't tell you more, but uh, uh, just go go through it, Diego's mm -hmm. audience, and, uh, and you, you will have the answer of what is being investigated. But if it's it's huge for me. It's too difficult to pick to pick a topic like this and to and to develop it. And Sorry, did, I can't did, do it. No, no problem. And uh, did you have uh, any topics that come to mind 
uh, in the maybe last months where you said, oh, this is this is uh, something I didn't expect or this is interesting? Uh, you know that uh, we try to to reduce uh, cup, copper copper use in viticulture because yes. it uh, it's, it's a huge harmful topic. for soils and it's difficult to reduce copper use because uh, it's a very efficient way to to face cryptogamic attacks and uh, vitis vinifera is very sensi sensitive to 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 these uh, mildews, for example. So there are research projects on uh, searching for alternatives, and uh, for me it it has a huge interest. The, this one, for example, uh, and uh, they say the the equivalent in energy is. Uh, the alternatives um, to the use of um, SO2. Mm -hmm. It's in fact it's quite the same. Uh, not completely the same, but, but it's a uh, it's difficult to replace SO2 because it has a lot of different properties. Uh, it helps uh, having the, the 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 wine clean without any contamination. It helps against uh, against uh, the, the the harmful uh, oxygen that will uh, oxidize the wine uh, and so researchers they they look for alternatives but the very different products that that would be used at different moments uh, just after the harvest during the vinification or during aging and all this combined could help diminishing dramatically the the use of so2 but these are, you know, these are very important research topics. On one hand, I, I mentioned copper, but uh, all pesticide use, reduce pesticide use uh, in viticulture. And on the other hand, re reduce the, the, the use of uh, SO2. And the, for, for different reasons, for, for health, for the environment, and because there is, um, uh, from the public, from the society, yeah, demand. They, they demand uh, they yes. demand uh, solutions because I this mean, is why I, I <laughs> we all remember the the article about copper use in Bordeaux. It was quite an impact that uh, hit the Bordeaux industry, I think. And this is why uh, I put that in parallel, yes. Yeah, yeah, and so also uh, with with SO two, I mean, uh, people are becoming more and more sensitive to contain sulfates when it's written on the uh, wine bottle. Uh, on the other hand, we, as far as I understand, we have the problem that almost all alternatives that we can offer <laughs> that have comparable uh, effects on the wines, they are not exactly more healthy to the human, actually. So uh, mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> SO2 <laughs> right yes, now seems tricky. to be mm. the, the best thing we have. And uh, also this, this Terra Preta topic that I came up with, uh, this tackles the topic of um, of uh, chemical fertilizers, for example. So it's it's a yes. way of, of using mm. well, fertilizers, organic there, there fertilizers. Yeah. So and you know, I, I had a look to, to your therapeuta on Google, and the, it's uh, for now it's studied, but for for other cultures like um, uh, um, apple, yep. apple, uh, or in agriculture, you know, in other fields, 
Yeah. So if anyone who is listening to this and who might be a researcher is interested in getting in contact with wineries who go really deep on Terra Preta, uh, contact me. <laughs> I will bring you in touch with them so you can do some field studies. And now, Julian, I would say thanks a lot. This was very, very interesting. And I'm looking so much forward to uh, doing more uh, episodes about everything that Ives is doing and uh especially about uh, some of the research papers. And uh, I'm super excited to get in contact with researchers from all around the world. So thank you for this thank opportunity. You. Uh, thank you, Diego, for, for the opportunity. And uh, I, I would be very happy to, to come back in a few months uh, to, to talk about the advancements of, of what we, we, would, we will have done. And uh, of course, uh, all our contacts are, are open to, to you. And uh, I hope that your your audience will enjoy it. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And uh, yeah, I would love to have a have a review, <laughs> follow up on this conversation uh, once we are maybe half a year in the project to see uh, how we can improve, or maybe to to get some feedback from the audience and uh, to really start an interaction between the people listening to this, to, uh, between the wine makers out in the field and the research community and uh, i hope that we can create a nice 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 project for them so uh, last but not least when people want to find out about you about ives about the reviews you have several websites and you have uh, some social media accounts uh, please name them talk slowly <laughs> yes thank you and the easiest way is to go to the ives website so ives um, dash openscience.eu. This is our main website that will give you access to all the different journals. This is the, the most practical way to, to reach us. And uh, via this website, you can subscribe our, our newsletter, newsletter and uh, we will give you access to all the articles published every month uh, via this newsletter. And you will also find the podcast. <laughs> Of Diego. <laughs> uh, you can also follow us on LinkedIn. Well, we have a LinkedIn that is uh, called the International Viticulture and Energy Society. And uh, we also have one Twitter account for each journal, but uh, you can go on, uh, on the Twitter of uh, Ives, that is uh, Ives Publisher, and you will find everything. So thank you, Diego, for, for the opportunity. I hope uh, to find you on our uh, different uh, communication channels. I also hope that. And uh, so I will provide uh, all the necessary addresses and uh, links to your uh, social media accounts and what have you uh, in the show notes. So for the people who are listening to this, um, this episode or this sh whole show gets released on several sites, on several pages. So you can listen to it on Vitisphere, on Wine Plus, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts and uh, yeah, some more. So um, most of the time uh, you will find show notes. If you just scroll down, uh, there you have a short description of the content and then you will have all the important links so uh, i will post everything there and i will also uh, post a link to uh, julian in case you want to get in contact with him directly so i would say thanks that was a lot of fun and uh, yeah i hope uh, that we can have a private talk because i collected some ideas for you that i want to present to you but not uh, publicly so 
Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Igor. Isn't it amazing how much time Julian took to explain the whole process of research and development in the wine industry to us? In the same way, the upcoming interviews with researchers from all over the world who publish through IVES will be. And if you want to take part in this, you can, because every month I will have a poll on my Instagram feed with three topics coming from enology, coming from viticulture, coming maybe from techniques, coming from economy, everything that is related to the wine research. And you can choose between the next topic for the next episode by following me. It's the art of setting wine on Instagram and taking part in this poll. I highly recommend checking out Ives and their institutes and of course their journals. Thanks for listening.